to another episode of the Christian Hansen Show. I'm Christian Hansen, and this is my podcast. Welcome to it. It is episode 53. Today's guest is comedian Nick Hoff. Uh, Nick is a comedian living in Los Angeles, best known as the host of his own show on Sirius XM Radio. He was on an MTV comedy called Acting Out and can often be seen in commercials for Miller Lite, Wendy's, and Amazon, where Nick has been cast by some of the top directors in the biz, including Peter Farley, Craig Gillespie, James Mangold, and Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's also been a comedy writer for Life and Style magazine, as well as a featured act in such prestigious comedy festivals, including Boston, Big Sky, Seattle, Los Angeles, and San Luis Obispo, where he was named Best of the Fest. Nick was handpicked by Jeff Foxworthy and Larry the Cable Guy to open for them on their critically acclaimed We've Been Thinking Tour, and he's also headlined the Pink Ribbon Comedy Tour, which made stops in 40 cities, doing 65 shows, all raising money for breast cancer research. Nick Hoff is the man, and uh, I was able to talk to him. Funny dude, man. Funny, funny, funny dude. He's got a comedy album out, too. I'd advise you to check that out. I came across him uh, on his album titled Baby Daddy. Hilarious. Frickin' hilarious. Links to all this all this stuff that I'm talking about are going to be in the description. By visiting the links in the podcast notes, you could find out all this information and much more. You could see his, uh, listen to, rather, the Baby Daddy comedy album. I'll have links to that on Spotify or you can buy a signed copy at his website for $15. But guess what? Better yet, guess what? If you are in the Chicagoland area, you can see him live. Yes, that's what I said. Live comedy, sing Nick Hoff in person. It's happening, folks. Rosemont.zanies.com. Get your tickets now. Nick Hoff will be there the 24th. 5th and 6th of June. That is June 24th, 25th, and 26th. Zanies in Rosemont. $30 tickets. Be there to support him in live comedy because it is back and going strong, baby. I can't thank Nick enough for giving me the opportunity to have him on the show. It uh, got a little heated at the end as a kid was shooting Nerf darts at him that was signed for Wrap It The Hell Up. And we did, literally. As soon as that first one you know, was fired. I said, all right, we got to go. And we did. But uh, it was a fun chat. Really great dude. Very funny man. This is me doing the thing with comedian Nick Hoff. But uh, Nick Hoff, man, I appreciate you doing this, man. Absolutely. Happy to, happy to be talking with you. Right. Happy to be talking to someone, right? people it's good right? <laughs> someone outside of my family yeah de- i definitely say i'm outside of your family but uh where are you at right now you uh on the west coast east coast i'm in los angeles right los now angeles. that's right you got shows coming up right this week the eighth um let's see yeah this where am i next i'm i'm in uh norfolk nebraska on like the ninth yeah and then uh then uh, Fort collins colorado on the 16th and then and chicago. then chicago right Few days later, yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah, man, it's gonna be good. I uh, I came across you through uh, Dean, right? Dean Del Rey. I, I remember I messaged you on the Instagram, and I right, I right, saw him yeah. I did a show with Dean, and he photobombed me. He photobombed you. That's son of a I bitch. I see you got the Dean Del Rey shirt on. You know what? Yeah, I uh, I wore it because I don't buy much shirts, dude. I'm weird. Like I don't know. Like uh-huh. I'm very weird about buying shirts because I used to work at a concert venue. 
before okay. the pandemic and like every band that would come through i'd always buy a concert shirt now i have all this money pulled up in concert shirts that i don't even wear right i just get it because like <laughs> i was there working the show right. but then it's like then i find shirts that i really like like this one i got now wear this one all the time so it's like i don't I have, a, I have an issue with shirt buying and stuff like that. but uh, You got like five shirts and you'll do your laundry every fifth day. The whole drawer is filled with like right 500 there. shirts, but this is the same four in rotation. It makes no sense. You've got like 500 shirts and you don't wear most of them? It's well, like of four. of course you don't. It's like four shirts. You wear like four. Really? I would think, you know, working at a concert venue, you'd have a whole bunch of like really cool shirts just from bands yeah. coming through. I mean, a lot of the bands oh? I don't like though, some of them too, like Jefferson uh, okay. Starship. I mean, they're great, but it's like, I'm not going to wear Jefferson Starship, but I work You're not going to wear Jefferson. Give, give me that shirt. I'll wear, I'll wear the Jefferson. Are we the same size? Uh, I don't know. Medium, but I think you're a little bit bigger than me. Dude, look at this. It's like a freaking toothpick i mean come on but, uh, <laughs> i'm in between a medium and large i could do a medium it's not too tight <laughs> oh man but uh no this is this is great you've been uh you've been out when did you start doing shows again and uh, with the whole everything starting to open up again so everything canceled when everything went right when the wheels fell off the world i was on an airplane i had a show in michigan mm. that night and everything got canceled like they canceled march madness they were canceling everything right right and i remember calling I called my manager. I mm -hmm. said, hey, is this show happening? Right. She said, they say it's happening. I called the venue. I said, hey, I'm coming in from out of town. I didn't tell him I was one of the performers. I, I was coming in from out of town. I said, I'm coming in from out of town. Is this show happening? They said, yes. And, uh, and so I said, all right. And I got in the airplane and I had to connect in Chicago. Oh, boy. To get on to Michigan. I land in Chicago and I get a call. They're like, it's canceled. So right away, I just go right back up to the American Airlines ticket booth and I'm like, hey, can you just send me back from yeah. whence I came? And they said, all right. That's so great. I just went straight back, both packed flights. And I remember the week before I was traveling as well. And the week before a guy was wearing a mask on on the flight right next to me. And I was like, man, Weird. do I stink? Weird. Like, why? I, I really thought I was like, what do I smell? Like, it wasn't even in my radar mm -hmm. that we were about to face this thing. I was oh, like, man, man I must, crazy. my morning breath must be killing this dude. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then a week later we were all wearing them. Yeah. You know what? And the thing is, is like after a while you just get, you get tired of even talking about it. Right. So it's exciting. Like we're all back to doing like shows are back, right? right. You're getting back in the clubs. Mm -hmm. Um, for the first time though in a while, I mean, how long have you been doing this? This comedy? I've been thing? doing it for a while. So yeah, that, uh, what's a while? Since 2000, uh, I started at the end of 2005. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Uh, so 16 years, but then, yeah, like, and for 16 years, I hadn't taken more than maybe a week between shows. Most of the time, it's five to seven shows a week. Mm. Uh, and, you know, occasionally around the holidays or something, I take like a week off. Right. But I hadn't taken more than a week off, you know, in 16 years, 15 years. And then all of a sudden, March, and uh, I didn't have a show until October. And I had a couple of shows in October. Mm -hmm. Then I didn't have anything till December. I had a couple in December. Then January started picking up. And right. now I'm back to shows just about every week. Oh, dude, that's exciting. So you, in 2005, you start. What were you doing before before that? So I went to college in uh, at Indiana University. Oh, okay. And graduated in 05 and then moved right out to California. I always knew I wanted to do stand-up. Yeah. So um, as soon as I graduated, I was like, that's it. Didn't have a job. What would you I major? Was sleeping on the floor of a friend of a friend. I was a business major. I business went to, major. Uh, yeah, I got a business degree and now I'm in show business. That's great. So I'm using a little bit of it. Yeah, no, that's funny. I think uh, Michael Palisak had this sort of the same thing. He went to, I think he went to Xavier. He studied in English. 
how he's doing Sorry. comedy. I think the best thing, the thing that blows my mind is Aaron Weber. He went to Notre Dame. He's doing oh, yeah? comedy now. It's like, it's, yeah, well, you know what? You got to. It's he, weird. I, I'm i convinced that the government uses college just to set 18 to 22 year olds aside so they don't ruin everything. Yeah. Because if you just let them loose, they're going to destroy things. They're, they're no good in the workforce yet. They're, they're, they're just going to ruin the world. So you you put you put these campuses in different places and you say, okay, here, you guys, you guys marinate for a few years over here. Let that frontal lobe of your brain form before mm. you come out here and everything goes to hell. Oh, man, it's crazy. So did, where, where you were, you were at uh, Hoosiers, right? Indiana University. Yes. So did, was there clubs there? Is that where you kind of start cutting your teeth in the college town? No. Uh, oh, so I wanted to, I, I had been writing since junior high. So I remember, and I even still have like some of my junior high notebooks of like jokes that I had been writing. And I tried three times. I mm -hmm. tried as a senior in high school, I was going to do the annual talent show. And then I forgot and I had a golf tournament and I was gone at the golf tournament. I didn't tell anybody. And they, I guess they announced my name. They said, and now your final performer doing stand-up comedy, Nick Hoff. They thought I was just in the crowd somewhere. Like that's the run big joke. That's it. And, <laughs> and then I just wasn't there. I had completely forgotten. So that was the first time I was going to do it. And I had all the, you know, inside jokes of my high school. And then I tried a couple times in college. Well, I tried to get on a couple times in college mm -hmm. because uh, there was a one-nighter there. And I called the place and I said, hey, do you think I come do five minutes sometime? They said, no. I said, okay. And uh, and then also George Carlin came my oh, freshman wow. year of college. And I was a guest usher, usher. So if you showed people their seats, you could stand in back and watch all the shows for free. Yeah, that's a good job. So yeah. oh, it was great. And so I knew the manager of the IU Auditorium. And I said to him, I said, hey, I've got some jokes written. Do you think I'd go on in front of George? And the guy goes, what are you, crazy? I'm not going to let you go bomb in front of 2,600 people. And, but, you know, in my mind, I wasn't going to bomb. In my mind, I was going to crush it. And right. George is going to be like, you're coming with me, kid. You've got it. You don't need this college stuff. Screw the business degree. Yeah. That's crazy. Did you ever get to, <laughs> did you ever get to open for him? No. 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 Nope, no. Nope. I saw him there. It was just a few months after September 11th. And... <sighs> Have you heard the George Carlin story about September 11th? I have not, but I when heard he some of Marin's. I've heard some of Marin's that was just some his material. Like he he started doing stuff like a two months after 9/11, and he threw in a couple, you know, 9/11 jokes in New York at some of the clubs because I guess they yep. didn't wait. They literally got right back into it. Like not even a month or two. They were well, right. what are you going to do? You're going right. to pause your life. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's like terrible things happen, and that's why a lot of people get into comedy. Mm. But George Carlin had recorded a special on the night before, on September 10th, 2001. He recorded a, a special that was called, I Kind of Like It When a Lot of People Die All at Once. That was the name of his special. I didn't even know that. And so he like got in the can, shot it, you know, the big, huge production, went to bed that night, woke up in the morning, and a lot of people died all at once. And he and like you can't release that then. No. So it's just, just in some archives somewhere. It's just well, I'm sure he says it eleven hundred times throughout. Oh my gosh. And man. I like it when a lot of people die all at once, you know? I'm sure it was it could be his best material too. That's a crazy it, I thing. I mean it's kind of a shame that all that is lost just and, and something outside of his control, you know. Mm -hmm. Like you you go as a comedian, you go through all these painstaking, you know you do shows, you do hundreds of shows, developing that material, you hone it, you alter it. And then all of a sudden something completely outside of your control happens. And all of a sudden now it's no good. Damn like that it. was year. That was probably a couple of years of his life. 
Them terrorists, man, that's horrible. They just ruined that. But, <laughs> but <laughs> well, the other thing is horrible. It, it, it ruined right. some yes, other people's true. lives in a much more just profound a couple. way. No, I know, I know. But he was impacted. <laughs> it's just crazy. That's nuts. So, uh, were you growing up? Were you were you the only one? Did you have brothers, sisters? Two sisters, Two one sisters. on each side. Yep. Ooh, how was that? Well, my FaceTime's going off right now. We're gonna cancel that. Yeah, cancel, cancel. <laughs> uh, growing up with two sisters was good. It's good. good. You know, you. I feel like maybe it made me soft in a way that's good, um, but also you know allowed me to have my voice. I wasn't overshadowed by an older brother or something. Mm. You got siblings? I do. I got a younger sister, and then I have an older brother who's married with. I don't even know. This is this is bad. There's so many guys. Got what? Suvi, James, Evie, Garrison. Are you counting his kids? Yes, yeah, that much. He's five. Okay. He's five. But He's uh, got five kids. I have to count yeah. on my hands. It's only five, but it's, I forget sometimes. It's really bad. It is pretty bad. <laughs> These are your nephews. Yeah, and he's nieces. thirty-five. I'm twenty-five. My sister's twenty. Yeah, twenty. Okay. Big. How gap. old are you? You said twenty-five. Just turned. Yeah. Big gotcha. gap. Big gap, man. That is a pretty good gap. Yeah. I don't what know. happened? I don't know, man. Life, I guess. I mean, it, it was tough though. <laughs> I think it was it was more tough. Like my sister didn't really know him. Like obviously she knows him, but which when he graduated high school. He was going to college. My sister was born in 2001. She graduated high school in 05. So it was like, there wasn't much there. So it's like, the, you she's know. four. She barely, barely has memories of him. Right, right, house. right. Yeah. So you were lucky though, okay. right? You kind of, I mean, they were both kind of in the house for a good, good time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're close now. It's, uh, yeah, it was good. It was, they were, you know, they beat up on, my older sister beat up on me a little bit, but I was mm. able to defend myself. How? Um, What'd you do? Can well, you get a girl? You know, <laughs> I think I think when your <laughs> brothers and sisters, all bets are off. I think they throw those laws out the window until you're about until you're over ten, and <laughs> then they say, "Okay, knock it off." Yeah, but when you're under ten, I have vivid memories of like I've got battle scars. I've got like like this thing on the back of my arm mm-hmm. from her digging her nails in. And I remember one time she she escaped and she ran to get away from me, and she locked herself in my parents' car, and I just like looked and right there in the garage was like a tennis racket. I just start beating the car with a tennis racket. Like, get like out of Tiger's there. I remember wife. My, my mom comes. <laughs> exactly. I was Ellen or Ellen yeah, or whatever her name is. And um, so now when you, when you're that close in age and you're under the age of 10, mm-hmm. I think all bets are off. I yeah. Think, I, I think, think that's a good no age. More. I think that's a good, good, good age. You can't limit. be tried as an adult, right? Yeah. After I don't 10, think you can. Like you knew better. Yeah. You had a joke so, sort of like that, right? Off your album or is about, if she was a, you know, if it was same sex, I decked that brother, you know? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's like, uh, the joke is, and probably I'm going to get canceled eventually for this joke. I think know, everyone is, album. man. It's crazy. I'm on right. Facebook, like searching posts in 2015, just like saying, did I, did I say something wrong? Cause like they just tried to, you know, Ellie Kempler. I saw something on the news the other day for her. She was like, yeah, she I'm was like, in a beauty pageant as a kid. I'm like, and the beauty pageant has I'm like racist ties. Man. I'm like, that's when I got on Facebook. I'm like, like I, I'm just delete stuff that makes no sense. Like there's nothing there, but I just, it's, it's horrible. You live in mm-hmm. fear. I, I haven't gone through to do a cleanse. I probably should, but I feel like, I, I don't know. That's just, a I'm lot not ashamed of, of what's out there through, you know? But it's just well, like and, everything. And you got to give people room to grow, right? Mm-hmm. Like certainly you're a different person than you were 10 years ago. Yeah. So social media has been around for you since mm-hmm. what? It came around when you were probably in... 2004-ish is when Facebook started to... Is... So what, you probably like at the start of high school, you remember getting into it? 2010. Or no, probably earlier than that, huh? 2010. That's right. 
2010, I started with Facebook. Okay. So, yeah, it's been around for a good portion of your life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, certainly you can grow sure. as a human being. I think we got to give people a little bit of latitude mm, yeah. with that. Now, if they're still piping off of the mouth, then sure, go ahead. Oh, there's those people everywhere. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> it, it, I feel like for those people, sometimes it, it's always them that takes them the longest before they get canceled. But the other people who do something like 92, they get canceled right away. I never understood that. You saw that with, like, you know, leaders and... People, you know, powerful people in the world running countries. You saw that. I'm like, well, it took that long, you know? Right, right. It's just, it's just crazy. But <laughs> when, uh, so you got two sisters. What, what did, uh, what did mom and dad do? What did, uh, what did they do for uh, the career? Mom was a teacher until uh, she had kids, mm. and then she stayed home. And then when we left, she went back, and she would take like long term sub jobs. Oh, dad wow. owned. Uh, he started. Uh, some gas stations. So he owned a small chain of gas stations. Oh, wow. How do you get into that? Like, who do you talk to about that? Like, I've always been interested because I, uh, Dean actually had a joke. He doesn't post much like jokes and stuff, but he actually posts something too, um, about gas stations and jobs. And I, I, he answered a question I've been trying to figure out. It's like, they have the new sciences under new management. He's like, who the fuck cares? I just go there, pump my gas. and I don't even walk. But yeah, how do you, how do you get into something like that? Um, I'm not really sure how That's he started. Cool, I know that, uh, huh. it was when I was born and he was doing a job. I think he was like a salesman. Mm-hmm. So he traveled a lot uh. and they wanted him to move somewhere. And he just looked at it and he said, you know what? I'm not going to live this life. I want to raise my family. And yeah. so he's like, what will enable me to do that? And it was to start his own thing. So I know there are companies out there that will help you identify good lots for certain businesses. Mm-hmm. And I think he maybe used one of those companies. Oh, they said, okay. he's like, you know, gas stations, this town that I'm, you know, looking at that's close to where I grew up, needs a gas station. Show me a good lot for it. And they did that. And he started it. It was a big success. So he opened a couple wow. more. And by the time I left high school, I think he had 10 gas stations. Are you kidding? Yeah, that's so a lot. He Damn. got into it and he loved it. He's got a great work ethic. He's got I, I envy my dad's work ethic. Yeah, because if I had that level of like he's got what Seinfeld does with jokes, my dad did with gas stations. Also, oh, he's like, a he's a good he's a he's a good gas station guy. He's the Seinfeld of gas station owners. He'd be out there on Saturday like cleaning the uh, cleaning the car wash. Oh wow! And I look at the car wash. I say, Dad, it cleans itself, it's right? Itself, yeah, right. <laughs> like people are spraying water all the time. Like, don't do it. He's like, No, you got to keep it nice, or people won't. Come. And I'm like, You're doing this on a Saturday, man. Damn. Like he he loved doing that stuff, and well, and yeah, that's, that's part good. of what made it successful. I mean, I hate what I do for work, but you know, it's like I don't know. I do sales, right? I'm not doing like I'm doing what I have to do to kind of pay what needs to be paid. But I'm not doing sure. what I love to do. The, 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 what do you the, love? Uh, I love a lot. Um, but that doesn't help narrow down that decision. Um, <laughs> photography, graphic design. Yeah, honestly, working at that theater is is the passion project, but it doesn't pay much. It's kind of like the George Carlin experience for you. You know, I'm kind of working there. It's kind of like, hey, right. I'll work this. It's not a really nice job title working in a box office, but I could see and meet all these guys that come through, like Jimmy Vaughn, yeah, like Buddy Guy, yeah. Kenny Wayne Shepard. I'll work there. Sure. But uh, yeah, something in entertainment, like marketing, graphic design. I mean, I do a lot of that stuff kind of just on the side, but nothing, uh, nothing that pays. So trying to trying to figure that out quick, man. Well, it will one day. You're only 25. I didn't get paid in comedy very well until 
in my 30s. Really? I remember, yeah. Yeah, early on, especially living in Los Angeles, mm. you're doing shows. And even if I do the top clubs in town, the mm-hmm. best one pays $50 at uh, that time for a set. No, now. Now, the best club, the best paying club in LA pays $50. Most of them are closer to like $17 per set. So, best case scenario, you do both shows that night at the improv or something, you make $34. Are you for real? I'm for real. And then if you have a hamburger, you know, they're going to give you the 10% discount, but they're going to charge you for that hamburger. So it's like, you don't oh make money gosh. in Los Angeles. They're called showcase clubs. Every comic that's doing it. It's like the Laugh Factory. Uh, like they're big showcase club, right? They're, they're a showcase Every day. club. They say your payment is to be able to go and work on your craft and possibly be, be seen by somebody wow. who put you on TV. That's your payment. And somehow we've all accepted it and we need the stage time, right? So we all take it. And so the best people in the world take, you know, they live in Los Angeles, New York. New York, you get paid a little bit better. Those mm. guys can make 50, 100 bucks a set and do oh gosh, five, six man. sets a night. Holy cow. So I didn't know... I didn't know that. Like, I'm not, I'm not in it. I just love, I love the craft. I love comedy so much. But I did not know that. So the top paying club is, you said like $50 a set. 50 bucks a set. And what so, constitutes a set? What's, what's considered a set under that definition as far as duration? So at that club, you'll go and you'll do 10 minutes. They've got, you know, on any given night, they've got six to eight comedians. Oh, that's quick. And, and they're all doing 10 minutes, uh, depending on wow. the night. Sometimes they'll have somebody that comes in like a Paul Reiser, you know, a headliner that they like to have mm-hmm. will come in and do it. Um, wow. But yeah, it's, it's, you know, I attribute it to like, uh, you know, LeBron doesn't get paid to go to the gym and work on his jump shot. Mm-mm. You know, he gets paid to play the games. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what it is. Los Angeles is kind of like the gym where comedians are using it to work on their craft. And, and as a result, you go do these clubs and you're not, you know, you're expected to be working on it. That's why they only have the best comedians working there because they can, they can work on things at mm-hmm. such a high level that it's still great. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, early on when I try new jokes, a lot of times they'd bomb. Now I kind of like have my voice established. I know what makes me funny. So I have a much you know higher shooting percentage when I go try a new joke. But when I'm doing these clubs, I am trying new jokes. So, you know, it's a little give and take. When I go do the road, it's not as many new jokes. It's right. like these are the the ones that the hit. guys that these are the guys that, yeah, this I'm putting on a show for you guys. And and then, you know, I'll sprinkle in a couple new ones. But in Los Angeles, a lot of places I just use those. I'm gonna do all new. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna go do 10 new minutes here. Damn. That's so crazy. There's a little bit of an understanding there. Wow. Oh, damn. That's that's nice. I did not know the how much Man, I think the appreciation level has gone through the roof. Like, you like it's like, damn, these guys are busting. I mean, they look like they're having so much fun up there. You probably are, but it's like at the end, you're like, studies don't fill up the car, you know? No, no, and that's why people get weeded out. Like, you have to love it. You have to love it because if you don't love it, you know, that's especially early on, it's not you're not in it for the money. You mm. have to love it. So damn. So you've been in it now. Just you. Get back to you, but 2005-ish, you started. When did you... Started at the end of 2005. So 2005, yeah. 14 or 15 years, depending on if if you give me credit for the last one. (laughs) When did you start getting, you know, getting regular spots, like clubs and stuff like that? When did you, did you get, when's the first time you got passed at any, any place? The first time I ever did a real club and got paid to do it was at the Ice House. Where's that? And I got paid, it's in Pasadena. Pasadena, oh. It, it's been there for 60 years. It was one of the original clubs oh, in man. LA. It was like uh, the, let's see, the 
improv was first and then the comedy store or vice versa and then the ice house came along oh damn so uh ice house has been there forever it's legendary it's it's a great room it's like tightly packed low ceilings in fact there was a time when the tonight show would not accept a tape recorded at the ice house because it really? was too good of a club like the crowds were just so jam-packed in there and they were so good that they said no anybody can kill in that room we're not we don't want to see what you've got there because it's juiced. <laughs> so it's crazy. It's nuts. Um, and, and that'll make this story hurt even worse because it was the first place I got paid. And I thought, okay, you're getting paid to do comedy. You wear a suit. That's what professionals do. They wear a suit and I'm 23 years old or whatever I am. And, uh, and so I, you know, dress up in a suit and tie and I go on stage and, and, everyone hated my guts like i mean i'm just this little you know tiny child in a suit looks like my dad's suit and i'm trying to be funny they weren't having it i bombed that first night and then the rest of the weekend that was like thursday night wow and then friday saturday i just wore jeans and a t-shirt i was and like it worked nope. uh, it was way better yeah it was way better but that thursday night was like a kick in the front tooth i still remember it still has like PTSD. Man, that's crazy. So for you, what's the rule as far as uh, trying something? Like if it doesn't, after X amount of times, you throw it away or it doesn't work. I mean, how many how many shots do you give new material before you can it? So it's hard, right? Like um, I'll go up there with an idea that's mm -hmm. not fully fleshed out. So I before I spend time working on it, I want to see if it resonates with people at all. Sure. So a lot of times I'll go up with a, an idea and a couple of punchlines and I'll see if, you know, people are recognizing, mm -hmm. you know, even if they're not laughing, can I tell they're identifying with a bit? And so if they're identifying, then I'll go home and work on it and try and make it, you know, I often say that, well, I often say, I, I think that, uh, you know, uh, the job of a comedian is to get everybody on the same page as quickly as possible. Mm. So if you've ever told a story or a joke and then gotten to the end and there's no payoff and you say, I guess you had to be there. <laughs> the the job of a comedian is to get everybody there mm. so that the job has, or so that the joke has payoff. Mm -hmm. So, so I'll try and figure out how to get it there as quickly as possible and then hit the punchlines. And if it starts to work, then great. And I'll expand on it. If it doesn't work, Try it again, but I've got enough ideas coming through that I won't give it more than two or three thing mm. times unless I really believe in it. And there are some things that I really believe in and I stubbornly say that get a mediocre laugh at best and they don't belong in the act. But still I keep using stubbornly it say it because I think there's something to that idea that your audience will find you mm -hmm. and your fans will find you and they'll gravitate and then and then they just know you so well and they identify with your humor that it will really hit. So I think for the people that really see eye to eye with me 100%, those are the jokes that are going to keep them around because right. I think they're so funny. And then, you know, you can lose 30% of the crowd for that one little moment. Um, it's tough. It's it is. It is. And I always feel like a real moron when I do it. I always yeah. feel like, oh, you well, I don't think anyone feels just, good. No, 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 it doesn't feel good to say something and everybody goes, ah, I don't know about that there. Yeah. You know, you want to feel, you want to feel seen. You want to feel accepted. It's like, why am I'm doing this for you? Like, why are you being a, like, what's, I don't understand this. It's pretty, yeah, man. 
Man, that's tough. So yeah, I, I've never seen many people get up there though, like in a suit. Like there's very few. But I feel like the, those who do it are like, like you already know that you're like, that's expected of them. Like there's not, right. I mean, I can't think of anybody now, like really who does that. I mean, now, a special, you see someone do it every now and then, but like consistently, I don't, I've never seen someone. Guys do it. Uh, that do the tonight show. I think they still put on a suit for the tonight show, mm. um, which I still might do if I ever, I, I don't know if the tonight show requires you to wear a suit or not. They might, they might know. require it. I, I don't, that, that would seem weird if they required it. You do what but they it, want it, though. It's tonight show, right? It, it's true. Yeah. It's true. I'd wear a suit. If they said you have to wear a suit, I'd say, all right, let's go buy a suit. Yeah. Um, it just changes your persona. You know, that's something people don't think about is the way you look, especially for crowds that, you know, when I go do a place, there's going to be a percentage of people there that have never heard of me. They mm -hmm. just wanted to go to the comedy club. So, you know, the, the first second they see me, they're making judgments about me. They're deciding sure. whether or not they like me. And if I'm dressed up too nicely, in my mind, they say, mm, I don't like this guy. Yeah. Nobody likes a guy in a suit, right? Yeah, well, it, not in that setting, right? In that setting, you're going there, and you're like, oh, okay, like, I don't know if I'm going to relate to this. He may come from, yeah. he may be from a different, you know, level. Like, I might yeah. not understand it. Unless they're a suit person, yeah. then they, yeah, they might not identify. So immediately, you're setting yourself up, you know, behind the eight ball. Mm -hmm. So I like to dress down. I like to just wear what's comfortable to me and just wear just something easygoing because yeah. I don't want to put I don't want to put off any persona that's not and it's a suit guy that's not me right I'm not talking business I may have gone to business school but I'm not going to go up there and talk pie charts and graphs and I you know I'm just the everyday guy I'm your neighbor yeah that's funny man so the ice house then after that um after well, I mean when did you start mustering up then the courage to get on the road like you know do a string of shows like different cities and stuff was it was it a while after the first, you know, paid spot at the ice house or did that happen? It was, it right was. Away? So that was probably 2006 or 2007 when I got my first paid spot. Mm -hmm. And, and the other clubs, by the way, like comedy store has three rooms. And so a couple of those you can do early on a couple of those, they'd have either bringer shows or just independently booked shows. Open mics where you, they could, did. you could get on those. Mm -hmm. uh, you could do the open mic in the original room uh, and do the whopping three minutes uh, and, uh, the improv was a little more difficult, but they still had some independent shows every once in a while. You could snake your way on there. Um, but I still, I kept my first rejection letter from the improv. I remember very early on, a couple of years in, I thought, okay, you got a good tape, Nick Hoff. Why don't you send this bad boy in? I did. I like printed it out like a label for the CD, send it funny. in. And, um, and I got the letter, I got the email back, you know, going through my jokes, telling me what worked, what didn't. And they said, they were very encouraging. They said, you know, you're not ready yet. Submit again in six months. And I kept that. And I was kind of like, I'm glad it's not that easy. I'm glad it's not just because then you wouldn't work for it. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, but, I, you know, as heartbroken as it was, I was kind of like, well, at least, you know, there's some encouragement there. It wasn't go home and quit, kid. It was, you know, work on this and this and resubmit in six months. I was like, that I can, I can do that in yeah. six months. It worked. Um, to go on the road, I did it with uh, a couple other guys that I was doing a bunch of open mics and, and shows around town with. Uh, there were uh, three other guys, and we all got together one day, and we said, hey, we got to do the road. We don't have enough material individually, and we don't have the 
we ha- we don't have the you know uh, communication with the clubs to go do it individually. Mm-hmm. But what if we banded together and we each did twenty minutes, and then we could fill a show, and we can go do independent venues, a few clubs, right. colleges, things like that. And with all four of us working hard to book along the way, we booked up a big tour in two thousand nine. Oh wow! And yeah, we called it the Walk of Shame Comedy Tour. It was just four young guys going out, and we did like sixty shows in in forty eight days or something Holy like that, cow. going all across the country in a little four door sedan. So it was like very shoestring, but we had a blast. We drank way too much beer, and and did a bunch of shows and built up some relationships with clubs and grew as comics doing 20 minutes each night, as opposed to oh, in man. Los Angeles doing seven minutes or something like That's that. Crazy. And, uh, and then we did the same thing again in 2010 where we made it now a three month tour and we did a bunch more shows and we went back and across doing some of the same places, adding new places mm-hmm. And uh, so that's how I kind of started. That's how I quit my job and never went back because I got, you know, those big chunks of the year booked up. And then I, you know, just kept booking out, you know, comedian's job is just keep, you know, casting that line three to six months out ahead of yourself. Make sure you always have those shows booked up. And then I just kept going like that. Damn, man. So you said quit your job. What were you doing beforehand? Because it sounded like you said when you graduated, you went right to L.A. for comedy. There was there was there something I did, in between. But you got to make money. So that's I true. Lived yeah, on, I lived on the floor of a friend of a friend for the first couple months, and I got a job as my first job was a logger, which means you're watching reality television footage, and you're Ooh. literally typing into a program what's happening. So you know they'll record eighteen hours a day, and they need somebody to go through all that footage to say what's happening, so that the editor can go through and grab mm. the like the highlights. You know, not just the three hours where the camera was just focusing on somebody tying their shoe. We need, and so. I did it with this company called uh, Triage, which ended up being involved in comedy. They like oh, they no merged kidding. with. Wow. Yeah, it, it was weird. And the guy there was a big comedy fan. So he found out that I wanted to do stand up. We kind of talked about it. Um, they ended up like doing a lot of the Comedy Central specials and things like that. That's awesome. It, it didn't help me at all oh. because <laughs> I was I was gone by the time they got into that. Um. But yeah, they merged with Levity and all that. And I think they own the improvs and stuff like that. So yeah. uh, so I when I got there, they said, we've got two shows going right now. We've got this show on the Home and Garden Network. And then we've got this show, uh, The Making of a Dallas Cowboy Cheerleader. I was like, okay, I'll do that one. I'm not going to watch. <laughs> I'm not going to watch plants grow. <laughs> I'll just watch pretty girls run around. And so I did that. So I, I'd come in when everybody else was leaving. It was a night job. So I'd come in at like 6 p.m. And I'd be there until like four in the morning and I'd just be sitting there watching this footage. I just put in a tape, watch this footage and type, you know, at one hour and 33 minutes, 17 seconds, Rebecca cries because she misses her home, you know, things like that. Man. And I just would do that uh, until four in the morning and I would eat so many bags of potato chips sitting oh, there. Yeah. That sounds fun though. Kind of right. Just yeah. I was in there with another and typing, guy like, oh, that's and funny. Just be joking. <laughs> and I'd be, yeah, I'd just be licking my fingers, typing. It's into not the too bad. I did that for a few weeks and then I got a job uh, with a commercial production company that did music videos and commercials and I was working in the vault there. So I would update the website, send out the director's reels, things like that. Oh, that's actually cool. It, it was a really cool company. I wish that uh, my job had been more interesting within the company, but I got to see a lot of cool work and meet some interesting people. Damn, man. So That's awesome. 
That's actually a lot cooler. 2009. Wow. And you got a lot of downtime because you're so often you're like rendering and uploading Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So in the downtime, write jokes and book shows. Yeah, that's 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 perfect because no one you don't have to talk to anyone. You don't got it like you're just you're on your own. Pretty much, pretty much. You answer the phone three times a day when it when somebody says, "Hey, we need this," and then you start doing that. That's funny though because (laughs) I'm laughing as you talk about that because I kid you not. Lately, I've been looking for another job, and one of the jobs I've been looking at is people send in videos. It could be short films. It can be um, podcasts. You go in there, and you transcribe them, and you send them off for money. This company called The Oh, Rant. yeah, yeah. So I've been looking You're at like it. like writing the closed caption? Yeah, I'm like laughing. I go, hey, what the hell? Like, that's what I've... Yeah, I was thinking... I mean, because you work your own schedule, right? If you want, you could take up all these, you know, mm-hmm. jobs at a time. Um, my luck, I'd get probably three feature films doing two weeks but uh no yeah i mean the thing is for me is i can't do that right my writing's horrible i was telling i was telling my folks the other day it's like they need to invent and i'm sure nate bargazzi would endorse this they need to like invent something to where like people who don't know how to spell things or like like write normally like i can i could speak into existence what i'm thinking like i I know what i want to say and i could do it but it's just all wrong sure like you know spell check you have that but it's like one thing where you could submit it upload and it just fix it, grammatical structures, put semicolons. I want that because I don't know how to write. That's the thing that's <laughs> holding me that back. Gonna, isn't that going to stunt you even more, though? Like, but I'm not gunning for it's... English professor or anything. Like, I, I, <laughs> I mean, I've tried to do get something that will help me get something that I want to do. Like, you, it's, I feel like a lot of the jobs are super. They ask it too much, right? Right. I, I like why the first thing is there's a comedian unfortunately who just passed away i think it was i, I can't remember his last name um it's horrible the story he, he was actually start of 2020 he was going to do a you know show down austin and he got hit by a car i think it was eric um eric, yeah it was uh uh eric myers eric myers he had he had a think about that too it's like job applications right the whole taco bell thing how'd you hear about right, us? it's right, like right People but it's the thing it's like i don't understand that like you know the question is, I want the job. Like, why do you asking? I I don't understand why the the system is set up that way. I feel it's like, I mean, I don't know. Because they don't know any other way to, uh, you know, weed through the candidates. They mm. don't know how. They don't. You don't need all that. But they're just gonna ask you to jump through these hoops and who's gonna do these the ridiculous work? questions? If there was a way for them to just look into a crystal ball, and make that decision, they would. But they don't interviewers don't know any better way and mm. with so many applicants you can ask people to jump through hoops because guess what people are going to do it yeah they do if they, they do a couple people and you're going to weed some people out that don't want to do it yeah so yeah so you get in there and you start doing this stuff at what point when did uh when did the wife come along so i met her in college so she knew wow this was, she was in this it. was a goal she yeah, was committed man. that you got a good one then damn yeah, oh i tricked her i tricked her yeah. so hard i'm gonna do business she had no idea comedy um yeah she's like oh i got a business major oh wait what you want to tell jokes for a living yeah. this is horrible business um and so like and it was cool because she would come on the road with me she was a teacher oh man so every summer we'd just be gone for three months and she'd come with me and it was awesome a couple of shows she'd open the Wait, show like if we didn't comedy? have if we didn't have an open no she no. don't do comedy but she's I, she claims she's done it 21 times <laughs> so because <laughs> we if there was no host it would be just a you got a host a kind of host i can't go up there cold 
So she'd go up and just take that bullet and do two jokes. She had two jokes written and she'd go up and do her two jokes and then introduce me. Damn. So, wow. Yeah. You're lucky. Beautiful. Dude, she's great. She hates me now. She hates me now that we have three kids and I leave on the weekends. <laughs> she's like, damn you. Um, but no, she's great. So she, she was there the whole time. Oh man. I was going to say, because I know some people, they usually like some people, the, the people that I've talked to, they've met them after doing it right after doing you know in in comedy and i've asked them before i'm like you know and they're like oh you know i was with so many different people i just can't seem to be in a relationship i'm like okay that's interesting and the thing is i think it is a lot of it has to do now like you're you're in a good spot i don't have to ask you this question but people are like you know i don't think i could you know be with someone who isn't a comedian i asked them why and like because like I would know the schedule, right? They know the schedule. You don't have to worry about you're always gone, you know? Like right, there's right. there's that routine, but damn. I say you won the jackpot. Well, first of all, I don't know who you're interviewing, but for a comedian to say From they the won outside comedian, in, I don't know such anything. A huge mistake. Huge mistake. I only I got a buddy who's just got married to another comedian and we're like, "What are you doing?" Like, "Come on, you we're crazy people." Comedians are crazy people. You can't have two people that are crazy in the same house. Jealousy. It's never going to work. But I see it. It's like, who was, uh, what's the guy's name that uh, from Seattle? You had him on your uh, show. King Holloway. No, 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 no. Well, first of all, there you go. Yeah, I talked There's to Kane that about that. Work. He started that conversation. I didn't want to go there. He, that was the first thing he said. I didn't know what said. happened with them. Yeah. Uh, no, it was Andy Haynes. Oh, Andy yes, Haynes Andy. married a comedian. I'm going, you Frickin' moron! This is never gonna work. You you need one person that's sane, and that's my wife. You need the medium head person that has got a rock on their shoulders. You can't have two numb nuts. Plus, you're living the same life. You're living the same life. Well, who takes the jokes? Who takes them? These people are gonna get in arguments. Andy and I forget what his Rose, wife's name uh, Rosebud. was. Rosebud. Yeah. They're gonna argue over who that happened to both of us. Well, who gets it? Oh, you do your take, I'll do mine. See, there's a competition be thing. Like, why'd you get that spot? That's bullshit. I should get that spot. Exactly. You know? Exactly. But there's exactly. they've been in it for a while. You know, it's not like oh, they're doomed. You think they're doomed? I like Andy. I had him on my butt. He's doomed. He's doomed. Clip this. We gotta clip that. <laughs> but uh, no, that's uh, yeah. No, I. I mean, well, let's see. That's the thing too. Is like when I, t I talked to Kane about that. Like, I don't know. I mean, there's more people aren't opening up to me like I'm their doctor or anything. But you know, that was the pandemic put that too on a lot of the comedians too who who were you know both comics. You're home. Like you're not on the road. Like you're seeing yeah. them every day, all day, mm -hmm. every hour. Is it going to work? And I, I, not even with comics, but I think you saw that with a lot of people, like just in oh, yeah. general the past year, you know? Oh, yeah. It's a steel cage death match. Having everybody at home all the time, that's not, it wasn't meant to happen. Mm -hmm. Even, you know, even in olden times, the men would go out and hunt. Right. They, they couldn't stay in that cabin. They couldn't stay in that cave all day long. They, they, it's just a recipe for disaster. And so you got two comedians and they're both, they have no outlet. They mm -hmm. can't, they can't do the shows, so they're going crazy. Sometimes I'll be going crazy in the house. My wife will say, hey, you got to go do a show. Like, you have to go because I can tell you're getting you're getting pissy because you haven't <laughs> performed in two days. You got to get out there and go do something. Oh, so they're and supportive I'm, of it, though. Like, That's right. good. It's, yeah. <laughs> yes, it's supportive for the most part. <laughs> Some of it's selfish. She just, like, get the hell out of here because I'm used to you being gone, too. Like, I want to watch what I want to watch. Right. 
Oh man, that's crazy. That's funny. So how did how did the past year work then? Like at the start of it, like you have all the kids. I mean, how young are they? They they young? Your kids? It's tough. We got uh seven, five, and three. Hmm. So all two years apart. And um, you know, we we escaped with you know, Los Angeles locked down like crazy. Oh and yeah. People weren't allowed to uh, you know, like the parks closed. Second week of March, kids first week of allowed. March. Yeah, kids weren't allowed on parks, so you couldn't even. There was a big grassy area that I was like, "We'll just go there. We'll kick a soccer ball." Can't it was roped that. off, like a like two soccer fields worth of grass oh, roped crazy. off. Like, can't go out there. You're spread coronavirus. I was like, "You morons!" So, with no work and no reason, no school to be there, uh, we escaped. We went to the Midwest and just hung out with family for for wow. like a couple of months over the summer because we we're like, they're open there in Indiana oh, yeah. and Nebraska. They're open. So that's where both of our families are from. So we just went there and hung out with cousins and stuff like that. Oh man, that's crazy. Yeah, we couldn't have handled it here. We couldn't have. Yeah, it, it would have been it would have been over. Damn. So it, it was good to get out and we you know room to run and the cousins can play with each other and so that's how we survived it because I don't think it would have happened if we lived in like a small apartment in New York or something or if we had stayed here would never have worked. What do you think? What do you think would have happened? Eventually, I I I get mad internally, and I express it, like you know, I project my anger. Mm -hmm. So there would have been me doing a lot of blaming, patching drywall. I, <laughs> I don't. I I punched something in college, and it hurt. So I I don't think I'd be breaking a lot of drywall. Mm. But the, yeah, it would have been. Uh, I'd have gotten myself in trouble on more than one occasion, mm. and it probably she probably would have had good reason to walk away. Oh man. <laughs> really? Like, I agree with her. She gets half. That would have been it. Damn, that's crazy. Well, that that's well, at least that worked out in your favor. I mean, I've had I there's a lot of I mean, yeah, Los Angeles, I mean, they shut down I, I know the Warriors, they they were like the first team to like do anything. Like their players thought it was a joke. Like it's like end of February, they called it. They pulled you know, and then two weeks later, three weeks later, everyone else filed suit. You know, it's like what did they know? I felt like they had like intel, right? Like they knew more than knew. than us like the country it was weird yeah some people knew mm. and uh, i i called it pretty early on i remember talking to my manager uh when that one show was canceled and i had to fly back and i said that's it that's it 2020 is a wrap and she goes no i hope that's not true i was like guess I think what? we all did but it it was the only way that i was able to stay somewhat sane was to call it at that point for myself and just look at all my dates on the schedule and be like, none of these are happening mm. because that I held out hope that they were happening. Then each one would have been a little mini disaster. You know, each one would have been just a tragedy in my mind, but because I wrote them all off and I said, 2020 is a wrap. Then when it became a reality, I was kind of like, I knew it. I knew this was happening. And so I protected myself a little bit in that way by kind of being a doomsday scenario guy you know plan what, what do they say the plan for the worst and hope for the best something like yes i think that's how that's it's worded yeah well, that's what you got to do i um you know i was listening to the the comedy album uh actually today during work i was listening to your album i didn't give i didn't finish through all of it but there's one thing in there that uh i thought was 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 great was the whole flying the plane thing you know going to denver oh yeah 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 um, is that, is that why, is that why you drive still? Like, is there really like, what, what sparked that? Like, was there real fear for you? Like 
what happened? Was it was it that moment that you're like, screw it, I'm not doing planes anymore? What happened early on that was so traumatic that you just like planes? I've, I've been pretty afraid to fly for quite some time. I don't like heights. Yeah, I don't like heights, and that's what that's what airplane travel is to me. It's yeah, it's you're heights. pretty high. Yeah, you you think little... about like what's under your feet, like a little bit of stuff, yeah. and then just thirty thousand feet of air. That's terrifying to me. So I, uh, I used to be a wreck and I've, uh, you know, I used to have to drink alcohol before I get on a plane. That's now pretty I'm traumatic. Pretty I mean, it's, that's a big thing for you. Damn. Cause you have to, you have to fly most every week. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it was like having wow. tiny and I'm not a guy that gets panic attacks, but I was like as close to a panic attack as I can get to get on an airplane. And this is the dumbest thing. This is, this is how dumb I know this is dumb and I still do it. I read an article about like celebrities and their fear of flying mm -hmm. years ago. Years ago, I read this article and, oh, this is so stupid. Uh, it was Jennifer Aniston who said she takes her foot and she taps the outside of the plane right before she boards. And I read it and I said, that's so stupid. That's dumb. And ever since I've read it, I have done that. Ever since I read it, I was like, well, she's not dead. So every single time her. I get on an airplane, no matter what, I will put my right hand that's, on it. I and do I that. Will, I like, do the cross. Tap. That's what I do. You do the cross? Yeah. I will regret and I tap my right foot on the outside of the airplane. I know that like flight attendants have watched me do that go. Should we that? be on the lookout for this guy? What, was that? <laughs> what did he just do? Kick yeah. a hole in the side of the plane? I will tap it, and I know it's stupid, and I still do it because I don't want to get on it. It's not dumb. Be like, I do the I same to, thing. I've got to tap. My mom, she like, uh, when I was younger, we didn't go much places, but we when we did, she had holy water, and she'd be like, like that's if we're going down, we're dead. Like nothing's gonna. Like, it's not. <laughs> I had ever understood that, but then I started to do it, mm -hmm. and then I'm like. Yeah, it's dumb, but we just, I don't know why we do stuff like that. That's probably why you hit the... Is that why you hit the road with Dean? Because I think he drives everywhere. Dude, I mean, if I if it's under if it's under seven hours, I'll drive it. Like, about Phoenix is as far as I will get. Mm. And then I'm like, okay, I got to fly because this is, this is getting ridiculous. I don't know what it is. I'm a, I'm a control freak. I know that. I know that. If, if we're driving, I'm driving. Mm. Like, I, I don't like riding shotgun. I don't like being a passenger. I don't care, you know, I would, if I get on bus, I would almost rather drive the bus than ride. Ooh, really? I'd almost rather just be like, Hey dude, take the day off. You go sit in third row. I got this. Like I, that's why I'll never, I'll probably never own a Tesla. Cause I don't trust wanna, issues. You got, you want I have to, trust issues. Yeah. I want to be the guy that's in charge. And so at an airplane, you have no. It's out of no your control. hands. Yeah, it, they've locked the door to the controls. You can't get up there if you want to. Mm -hmm. So it's it's the ultimate. Like I just have to release it, and now I'll get on, and I'll just usually try and sleep. Um, it helped out. I, I used to be afraid, but I would do it. And then I had a kid, and somebody said to me, my kid was like, uh, he was probably like a year old, and I was flying somewhere, and they go. Oh, your kid's only a year old. So if you die, he won't know who you were. He won't remember you. You're and like, it, who are you? You're going to take it, us down right? here? <laughs> you dick. It messed with me. And so like it was the next week I got life insurance. And now 
as dumb as that is like that like gives Should've me had. a little bit of comfort like at least they'll have money oh, at least man. they'll remember me through the money <laughs> that what I miserable person would say that though like how'd you I get can, into I that can't conversation remember who it was i think i've i've killed them off in my head and they're gone out of my life i think at that moment i wrote them off uh i can't i can't to, from the life of me i can't remember who said that to me but it like made a profound impact wow. and i was having like little mini panic attacks i don't know thinking, what i don't know how you even get into that like what sparks like why would someone question that that's I think they weird. were just thinking out loud yeah. and, and not doing a good job of it. I think I think their little filter man, you know, dropped the dropped the Well it helps. You, you got life boat, insurance, so that's good. Got life insurance and now it makes me feel a little bit better. Like yeah. we hit massive turbulence and I kind of think, okay, at least there's, you know, a silver lining down there. Yeah. Well the reason I, I brought that up though is too, because I remember that because my brother went to the Air Force Academy. So when we would go visit him. In Colorado, we fly from Chicago there. That that would happen. And are you talking I, about uh, the the, the relanding or just the relanding just thing the, where you just kind of it's like a oh you've had to reland. Well, they've done that thing where you're like in a circling around the city. Yeah, I'm like what is? I this? had never I, had that. I didn't understand that until I went to go visit him in Colorado for this graduation. Yeah, Colorado, Denver just has those those mountains around it. Phoenix has it a little bit, but Denver is the worst, and it's just massive turbulence. And I remember we just we were coming into land, and all of a sudden we just took right back off. And it was, you know, it wasn't 9-11 had happened a long time ago, but I was like looking at it going, why, why is that mm. happening? They're not announcing anything over the speakers. Nobody acts like that was weird that we didn't just land. That's what like, everybody pisses else you is off. Just You're like, how is this not registering? Ahead. Like, right. We almost look died. Me. Look at me, Margaret. Why? Why yeah. did this happen? That's I funny. need answers right now. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. That was terrifying. That was terrifying. I, I don't like it at all. So Man. yeah, the, every every hour that I build, there's stuff about airplanes, which I think that's true of a lot of comics because there's mm -hmm. so much travel in our day to day sure. life. So you know, you write what you know. But yeah, Damn, I, I have to make sure anytime I write one, I have like, yeah, this has to come from your own perspective. Otherwise, it's going to be you know, airplane peanuts. <laughs> so uh, just to kind of. Backtrack, I touch on uh, the people you started with. So who were the guys? Who were the guys that you got your start with? Are they still around? Are they still doing it? <laughs> no, nope, comedy nope. weeds people out. <laughs> you did it. Uh, there's one guy who still does it a little bit down in Tampa. Uh, his name's Law Smith. Awesome. Um, yeah, other than that, uh, Brennan Gleason, after the tour, after that second tour, I don't think he did comedy. And then a guy who I think is one of the funniest people I know in real life, and he was a great writer, uh, is Kevin Richards out of Seattle mm. and he was just so damn funny and he he did it for a few months after our tour but uh, he had a serious girlfriend at the time he was trying to propose to mm. and I think he just like went straight I think he just he started well, his own business he made a decision That's good. he made a decision but he it hasn't done comedy it's, it always bums me out because he was so so dang funny and I'll call him sometimes when I have a bit that I'm working on and just to see what he has to say about mm -hmm. it, because he's just so good. He's got a good eye. For Damn, it. that's crazy. Well, I mean, I guess I don't know. Some people, from what I from what I hear, is like, I don't know if they're not if nothing's hitting consistently, or if they they have, you know, more bad nights than good nights for you know stretch mm -hmm. of time. That's enough to to throw them off the tracks. You know, it's like they can't, like I don't know, like they can't take they can't take you know no. I think that's a very hard thing to to yep. not be able to do if you're trying to do that, you know? And if you don't love it, and I think his problem was he was a great writer 
and he wasn't a great performer. Mm. And I think that incubated me a little bit because I was a better performer than I was a writer. And so I could make a mediocre joke good mm -hmm. or make a bad joke mediocre. And so that protected me a little bit. Like I could, I could weasel a little bit of something out of a bad crowd or out of a bad set. Hmm. Uh, you know, he, if he started going down and having a bad set, he was going down with the ship. There were no tricks. There was no, you know, flash of a smile and, and do a dance on There was nothing. There's no way to pull it, pull him out of there. He couldn't do it. If the joke wasn't landing, it was just going to crash. And so I think that incubated me a little bit and protected me from the really bad nights, mm -hmm. but he didn't have that. Uh, and so I think, yeah, he may have just fallen out of love with it. Mm, stuff happens. So then you get you know, <laughs> well, stuff happens. I mean, it's just what it's just what it is, I guess. And I think Marin has a joke about that too. Where like over time, you you like zanies, right? You go there and you see these photos. You're like I wonder what happened to that guy. You know, like these people. Yeah, it's just like it did just disappear. But then they come back. And you're like, oh, okay. And then and it's just weird how how that works. I I don't understand it. It's just some come back, but have you have you've been to the downtown Zanies? I I've like, been to Rosemont, St. Charles one. St. Charles one was like the second one ever done. They just it's closed gone down. now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was in a barn. It was weird. Um yep. I haven't been to Chicago yet. I'm going to be going there to see Andy um and Aaron Weber actually before Andy. Aaron's a couple weeks from now, they're going to be there June. I'll see you at Rosemont. Um, nice. but yeah, I've never been to Chicago one. It looks really tiny. It's small, it, it like seats one ten maybe. Uh, but they've got just walls of comedians' headshots, and yeah, it's kind of it's kind of sad when you go through and look, and you go, I don't know who seventy percent of these people are, but at some point they were good enough to get their picture on the wall at Zanies, mm. and you go, holy crap! Like there are a lot of nameless faces here, mm -hmm. and you're like. I cannot let that be me. I cannot. Is that discouraging? Like, it's like, out. you see people are like, damn, that guy was good. How did I beat him? Like, no, it's not discouraging. It's, it's scary, but it's not discouraging. I think, um, you know, you look at it and the business is not, not fair. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to be a little lucky, but you also have to work hard and you sure. have to be talented. Like those three things all have to hit. Like it's not, it's not good enough to just have one. I've seen the most talented people, you know, my buddy, Kevin, super talented, just was unlucky or, you know, didn't, didn't want to work at it. Yeah. You know, all three of those things have to be firing at the same time. And if you don't have all three, then you're not going to have longevity in the business. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. So when, uh, when did you, you know, after being in it for as long as you have, what is over the years, who, who were the guys that, uh, you kind of were able to work with who, who were the, uh, the, 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 the big ones or the people that, uh, you really uh, had a good time working with. I mean, all of them, you liked, I'm sure. Um, but who, who most were the, of them? Yeah. Who, most of them. <laughs> Some who were of the them guys that made you go, Holy shit, it's him. I'm, I'm open. I'm working with him. Were there any of them? Um, halfway. What the heck is a bird is hitting. No. Oh, mm. my kid's shooting his Nerf gun. He's uh, <laughs> saying, come uh, on. Come, he's like, come, come on, is it done? Um, almost, almost. <laughs> I mean, first five years in, you'd see guys at the comedy store, and you might even be on the same bill with them. Mm -hmm. And so, and that would blow your mind. You know, you'd be sitting in there, and Chris Rock would drop in. Uh -huh. like, no, I was just on stage you know, an hour ago. And now Chris rocks on the same stage. Like that's amazing. I remember seeing Robin Williams pop in. Oh, wow. Like 
really impact. And he bombed. He bombed. And you go, oh, okay, if he can bomb, then, you know, nobody's above it. Right. Nobody's above it. So you can shake off any night. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was positive in that way. And he was so nice and gracious and just like, I hadn't talked to him a lot, but he, he just like was quiet and reserved. And um, that was cool. Jim Gaffigan would do a oh, lot yeah. of the same shows. And he'd be doing garbage shows that I'd be doing. Like he'd show up on these whatever shows, like not even in a club, like just at a <laughs> bar and you're going, whoa, you're really... And he wasn't Gaffigan as we know him now, but I mean, like he was still way bigger than you're like, what are you doing here? Yeah. Um, and so that was cool. And then uh, five years ago, I got the opportunity and I got to work with uh, Larry the Cable Guy and Jeff Foxworthy. Oh, wow. And I worked with them. I, I still work with them sometimes. Uh, and I worked with them for their big tour. They did four years worth of a tour and I got to open on all those shows. So Holy we're playing cow. arenas and all these big theaters. And that was amazing. And especially, you know, I grew up in Nebraska. I don't really have like a redneck aspect to my act, but it's PG-13. It's not offending anybody right. and it's fun. Uh, so I think it worked and it was fun to bring their crowds in. And like... It was a perfect you know, combination. Absolutely perfect combination. So much fun. And playing those huge places, which was never very terrifying. Like a really? lot of, that's people people often think, you know, when isn't that scary to do a big play? No. Well, you're not having a you you know, a, a complete interaction with them, right? I mean you, you I know what you try to probably get at here is when you're in a big place, it's like you can't really like you know, a lot of comedy is based on, you know, feeling the you know, seeing how people in the crowd are reacting to it. When you're in that it's you can't do that. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, I don't surf, but it's almost like being in a wave pool or something. You know, you're interacting with the waves, which is, you know, thousands of little water droplets mm-hmm. all at once. You're not individually seeing the water droplets. Right. You're like interacting with things. So, yeah, you're interacting with a chunk of people. And it, it was so much fun and so cool to me to be able to do that. And so those guys have been, and they were great to work with. They were genuinely nice dudes. They would rib me at, at times, but nothing that like scarred me for life, you know, but just in fun, playful interactions. Mm-hmm. And they brought me into their world. And that was, that was really awesome. So that's cool, man. That, that was huge for me. That's and awesome. Getting to perform in front of that many people and bring on new fans and things like that. That was really cool. Absolutely, man. Well, hey, listen, Nick, I appreciate you doing this, man. I'll see you at Zany's 24th, 5th, and 6th. You'll be there. So, Rosemont, I will uh, see you, man. I appreciate you doing this. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me, man. You bet, man. Take care. Bye. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that conversation between me and comedian Nick Hoff. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to check out the show leave a rating review please do it helps the show out when it comes to people searching for podcasts to listen to it puts us ahead of the other people every rating review pushes us up that list so when people search for you know comedy podcasts uh, entertainment podcasts tv and film interview podcasts this show will be closer and closer to the top the more and more people rate and review. So please do that. Support the show. Also support Nick Hoff. How about him? Uh, Great chat. Funny dude. Very funny dude. If you're in the Chicagoland area, 
Now's your chance. You can check them out at Zany's Comedy Club, June 24th, 5th, and 6th in Rosemont, Illinois. Be sure to get your tickets. Just go to nickhoff.com, click on tour, go to the Rosemont dates, hit purchase on the ticket link, and you are set to go. Also, for the people in Omaha, you can check him out at the Funny Bone, July 8th, 9th, and 10th. And then I'll be down in uh, Louisville, Kentucky at the Caravan on July 15th, 16th, and 17th. So that's the string of upcoming shows for Nick Hoff. Uh, Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time here on the show. But until then, stay safe and be well.